Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we beat a dead horse 1d6 damage at a time. I'm Jeff, and this week John and I are going to discuss a Palladium book featuring a blend of mutant animals and post-apocalyptic Earth, while somehow still being distinct from Rifts. We're talking After the Bomb, the game where a spider goat does whatever a spider goat can afford the BioE to do. A few house notes before we get started. On the requests of some listeners, we stopped being lazy long enough to have System Mastery hosted on iTunes and Stitcher. Find us at either of those fine locations, subscribe, and give us some farm-fresh ratings and reviews so that we can spread our dumb little podcast to the masses. And hello, nerds. Hi, John. How are you? I'm doing okay. Wonderful. Did you enjoy reading your way through another Palladium book? Uh, well, I mean, as much as anyone can enjoy reading a Palladium book. Huh, so a lot? Yeah. yeah like a whole lot. They're very like, enjoyable to read. Man, that shit is just cotton candy for your brain. It absolutely is. They're terrible to play, though. Oh, yeah. It's like exactly like cotton candy for your brain. Yeah, you don't want to try and roll to cotton candy. You just want to eat some. <laughs> I can see that. That makes sense. So uh, we basically took a bye week. Uh, we, yeah. After reading Nobilis... Uh, there, is, there is no way that I was going to learn an entirely new system after that. No, no. We'll go back to something weird and hard and confusing and... Like my dick! <laughs> I gave you the opening and you used it. <laughs> yeah. Like my dick! <laughs> used the opening in your dick? Uh, wait, I, I do. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's the show, folks. Thank you and good night. <laughs> it's been a long day for both of us. So, uh, like I was saying, we basically are taking a bye week because Nobilis kind of broke our brains for a little while and we didn't really want to have to learn a whole new system in two weeks. So this week we're going to be talking After the Bomb, which is a weird Palladium book I had lying around, which is not one of their core products. Uh, it's, it is the quick slapdash replacement to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles after they could no longer print Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yep, they had lost the TMNT license, but they had a whole lot invested in the concept of Bio-E. Yeah, it's one of those things where, like, well, we've already statted out a jillion animals and have an entire, like, progression for how they grow. So, fuck it. So there's actually another book also called After the Bomb, also made by Palladium. It's a, like, 40-page supplement of adventures and a couple of extra mutant animals for the TMNT and other Strangeness game, which pre uh, kind of predated this. Uh, there were two games set in the post or game books set in the post-apocalypse, uh, After the Bomb, and then another one called Roadhogs, TMNT Roadhogs, which was... Basically like a Mad Max thing, but set in Southern California. Yeah, because Palladium really, if they could set anything in a post-apocalypse, by God, they will do that. They have like four games set in either current or post-apocalypse. Yeah. So that's that's definitely true. You've got your Rifts, which this is basically a Rifts book with a lot less stuff. Yeah, it's sort of a Rifts book if all it focused on was just one small aspect of it. And then they've also got uh, the System Shock, and uh, there's one set during the Rifts Apocalypse. Yes, Chaos Earth. Yeah, so there's they, they really like Apocalypses. Yeah, those Apocalypse-i. Apocalypse-i. Yeah, Apocalypse-odes. Uh, okay, so um, if you've played any Palladium game, you've already basically played through this. There are nine stats, IQ, ME, MA, PS, PP, PE, PB, and SPD. Yeah. All that shit stands for who fucking cares. Basically, this game has a lot of stats, but a lot of them don't really do anything. Uh, I know several other people besides us have made our way through Palladium games, and I challenge any one of you who's ever used your mental affinity for anything to comment <laughs> on it and let us know. I mean, it's supposed to help you resist psionics, but... Which, at least in this game, where basically every single character is probably a psychic of some sort, mm -hmm. it might come up more often. In my experience, most Rifts books... I mean, yes, Mental Affinity is supposed to uh, kind of alter your ability to resist psionics, but in most Rifts books, psionics come with their own saves that are independent of, M of MA. So it doesn't do anything. And when I say Rifts, I mean Palladium books. But uh, you can tell me, what else does MA do? You're looking at the chart. Oh, actually, no. MA doesn't do dick. Oh, you're right. You're it's just the Trust Intimidate. To, yeah, Trust Slash Intimidate. It's ME that's psionics resistance. Yeah, MA is basically just, we didn't want to put... Uh, intimidate as its own skill, so now it's a stat. It's just all it is. Yep, and it's called MA stands for Mental Affinity. Yeah, how uh, 
I don't know, me- mentally offend you are. Yep. Yep. <laughs> How offend are you? Uh, I'm pretty offended. <laughs> Fuck you. Jesus Christ, what happened to you? <laughs> I took my, my horrible pills today. It's, oh. it's time to go. It's go time. What are they made it's out of borscht? Ghost time. <laughs> We're in a fez driving around in a little car. I've got a cigar. It's time for me to tell you about why I hate kids these days. You're just nothing but borscht and chopped liver today. <laughs> That's so good. It's all the rage. You're killing me. All right, well, anyway. You take your nine stats, you roll them 3d6 with exploding fives and sixes in certain compa- er, times. Basically, if you get a 16 or higher on your 3d6, you get to roll an extra six. And if that six, d6 is a six, then you get to roll an extra d6. And so your maximum possible... Yeah, that's all. Your maximum possible stat before modifiers is a 30. Yep. Um, so that means your stats range from 3 to 30. Average stat is around 11. Yeah. And that's all you need to know about stats, because each one of them generates its own type of sub-bonuses. Yep. And a lot of them don't do anything. Yep. Speed, for example, simply directly translates into the miles per hour that you can run using a weird, complex chart. It's like divide speed by 9.2 or something. It's really, it's strange. Yeah, they, I mean, at least they do give you the chart of like, hey, if this is your speed, this is how fast you're going. Yeah. But you can get so much speed... That it ends up being pretty much pointless at, at a certain point. You're like, all right, look, I'm running away from you. Do you have a higher speed than me? No. I'm going to eventually get away. This has been a thing in Palladium games for forever, where you can have an IQ of 15, an MA of 21, and a speed of 417. Yeah. And then you have to ask yourself, is 417 faster than a car? I don't know. Uh, where's the chart? Yeah, see, so... You, so it doesn't, it's a weird stat because since it directly translates into miles per hour, and since there are a lot of ways to get very, very fast in Palladium games, it comes up often. Um, in this game in particular, because you play as a lot of different mutant animals, you can get pretty quick, pretty fast. Yeah, and most of the other things, uh, that were in other games, so you've got like, your physical beauty. Okay, well, what does that do? Uh, I don't know. You're kind of sexy. It helps in seducing. It has a chance to... Is it plus to seduce, or is it an actual chance to it's, seduce? It's plus to... Uh, oh, no, wait. It is just charm and press. It's like Metal yeah. Affinity. It is just a skill. Yeah, it's just a, a flat rate percentage that you have to charm or impress somebody. Yeah, so... And then after that, you've got, like, physical endurance, which normally a higher physical endurance would mean more HP. But in this, it's just saving versus coma slash death. Mm-hmm. Which at least... In this game, which isn't Rifts and doesn't have mega damage, there's at least a chance that you won't just get explodified by the first thing that touches you if you aren't in armor. It actually uh, does help that PE is your HP, or so your HP at the start of the game is yeah. your PE plus a D6. Yeah, so normally so it does help that a doesn't little. really matter. No, no. But in this game, it might. One of the weird things about Palladium, and it's always been this way, is that the uh, creatures have a hit point pool and then a SDC pool, yeah, your which stands structural for... damage capacity. There you go, structural damage capacity. So those two things are different. Hit points are kind of like your emergency reserve of extra hit points. Yeah, if someone's hitting your hit points, it means they're hitting your soft and squishy bits. Yeah, you're you're basically fucked if someone's gotten down to your HPs. Yeah, uh, it's the only stat that goes up. SDC does not naturally increase over time or, or over age and experience. HP you get a D6 per level. Woo, whatever. I've never seen it come up in any game I've ever played in. No. Um, so there you go. There's two kinds of, of HP that you have in addition to your nine stats. Yep. You also have a fun Palladium-style alignment to pick. Oh, yes, you do. And let's run through those. Yeah, you get, uh, you get your good alignments, which are principled and scrupulous and unprincipled. Unprincipled being the first of the two neutral alignments, which is the gooder one of the two neutral alignments. Yeah, and then the other neutral alignment is anarchist, which is just, fuck you, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we get into the evil alignments, where you've got uh, aberrant, miscreant, and diabolical. Yep. So there you go. And uh, my favorite thing in this is that they needed to add a little sidebar for all of them, and what they think about cannibalism. <laughs> like, every single one of them has, hey man, what do you think about cannibalism, specifically? And it's there because, at first I was like, that's a really specific thing to ask about. But I guess because you're playing an animal, if you're like, I'm a mutant cow and someone offers me a hamburger, like, how do I feel about this? Is this from a mutant cow? Because it seems like that would be a different species for me. Like, is this a sentient cow? 
And maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it just didn't have the ability to speak, but it was, like, totally smart. And then you murdered him. And now I'm eating him. And he is fucking delicious. <laughs> At what point does cannibalism become okay? Is it basically an unprincipled or anarchist? Or uh, Anarchist is like, I would do that if it meant survival. Really? Anarchist is where you finally get down to that? I would yeah. have figured even the good guys, because, I mean, historically, nah, good guys turn to cannibalism when they have to. That's that's what you do. Nah, like, it basically, unprincipled it up, they said, ah, no, nah, you wouldn't do that. That would be fucking weird and evil. And then Anarchist is like, ah, if you had to do it to survive. And even Aberrant is like, no, I wouldn't do it because only the weak would stoop to cannibalism. It's so weird. That one of the weirdest things about the Palladium books to me has always been their alignment system because it's so moralizing and hectoring. It's like, it, there's always a sidebar where they where they routinely explain that there's no such thing as true neutral, goddammit. Everyone has a self-serving interest of one type or another. Huh, huh. Okay, great, whatever, who cares? No one ever played true neutral anyway unless it was second edition and they really rolled the stats for a druid. Yeah. Okay, great. So there's no true neutral. And then they go through and they're like, well, an unprincipled character would never turn his back on his friends. Well, yes, he would. He's unprincipled. Yeah. I mean, you're basically doing the Han Solo archetype as unprincipled. And that dude was like, peace, I'm out. He came back, but he did turn his back on his friends. Yeah, he had a guilt trip later. <laughs> but, you know, it's one of those things where... Plus he shot first. Oddly enough, people are nuanced. Yeah. It's strange. Yeah, it's very unusual. And it shows up in other parts of the book as well. I, I think I've probably mentioned on, on Mike before how the, uh, the psionics and rifts have an ability to hurl boiling water with a caveat that an evil character would be the only one who would ever do this and no good character would ever throw boiling water. And then the <laughs> next power is to light someone's skin on fire. Uh, no mention of whether a good person would do it or not. Yeah. Which, you know, this also has some psionics like, you just set some dude's blood on fire. And you're like, Oh, uh, really? Yeah, anyone can do that. Fuck yeah. it, who cares? Good guys do that. They just don't throw boiling water. Because cause one time I, I spilled spaghetti water on myself and it fucking sucked. And now I know the true pain that no good person would inflict. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, so you get to pick through those alignments. Uh, now this book's got, uh, doesn't have the OCCs of other Rifts or Palladium games. Instead it has uh, skill packages. Yeah, you get, uh, you pretty much just decide how you learned your skill. So it's like, were you being raised as, like, in a scientific community? Or were you in a community that was all, like, hunters and gatherers? Are or... you feral? Are you a laboratory experiment? Yeah, so it's got, like, what's your background? Like, right. who taught you how to do things? And then some of the backgrounds are pretty interesting, because it's, it's a, a world of post-apocalyptic survival, so some of them are things like farrier... Which means that you make horseshoes for a living, which, you know... Which would be totally fucking stupid, but you're living in a world where there's a bunch of mutant animals, so you're like, yeah, man, I'm in business all the time. Those horsemen keep coming up to me needing shoes. Right. I, I, I kind of wonder, though, once... You ever wonder, once animals can start talking, are they going to stop telling us to do the routine stuff we do to, do to them? Like, hey, quit cutting our dicks off. <laughs> No, they like it. <laughs> They're into that. I don't know about shooting horses. I mean, I know that's mostly nail matter down there, so you could probably drive a nail pretty far into it without hurting them, but... Yeah, no, that it even says in the thing, you're like, you know how to make these shoes and how to get them onto people without it fucking them up. So, all right, well, there you go. You. That's all right. Also, you can be uh, raised and trained by ninjas. Yeah, you know. You know, how post-apocalyptic United, United States is going to have a lot of ninjas all over it, because... Obviously. Duh, it's the 80s. Let's go. Um... <laughs> Uh, the real reason that the ninja skill package is in there is because this book is the uh, tattered remains of the once proud Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles license. So, by God, <laughs> you can make a turtle that is a mutant, has the ninja skill package, and is between the ages of 13 and 19, but you will not make a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. No, no, you can make one named, like, uh, Botticelli. <laughs> <laughs> this is Rembrandt. <laughs> oh, man, that would be amazing. Right? Oh, man. <laughs> Let's do that. Got Van Gogh, Botticelli, <laughs> Rembrandt, and uh, Picasso. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. we. And they fight with four new crazy ninja weapons. I've got a Naginata <laughs> and a fucking... Yari. I don't know. Kusari Gama. Yeah. Yeah, I can keep yeah. naming ninja tools. Yeah. Let's do this. <laughs> I've read Oriental Adventures. I know. <laughs> the Kusari Gama is the sickle with the chain on it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we yeah. got this. Yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. we just need to make some new colors up for their, like, we have a, what, a, a, a yellow one. Uh, yeah. Brown. <laughs> shit. <laughs> shit. This guy's just got shit smeared around his eyes. <laughs> it's, hey. the post, it's the post-apocalypse. Hey, it can happen. now we know why they lost the license. <laughs> okay. They kept 
smearing shit all over the Ninja Turtles. That's why they lost the license. Yep. Is this what you're implying? I am. <laughs> I, I am making such an implication. <laughs> Kevin Zimbieta personally went up and smeared shit all over the Ninja Turtles. The real life, actually existing Ninja Turtles. And, and then he signed by Kevin Zimbieta. <laughs> In the in the margins, he drew a blocky gun, said four d six, and then wrote his name underneath it. Uh, I love palladium. <laughs> All right, so um, the skill packages also provide you with skills, and they are standard palladium skills. They are percentages to do something. You roll under the percentage to accomplish your task, and each skill has a percentage to, that's variable. So, for example, basic math has a forty four percent chance of competency, with plus five percent per level, and so on and so forth. For hundreds and hundreds of Mostly useless skills. Yeah. And the weird thing is, so any of the skills that would seem to be harder, like you would need to be trained in them, so, you know, you can have basic math, and it's going to start at a way higher percentage than, say, like, advanced calculus. Mm -hmm. But it's weird because the people who would actually know that skill would probably be pretty good at doing it. It's true. You never meet anyone who's bad at but aware of calculus. Like, you either don't know shit about calculus, like you took it in high school for a semester and then forgot it and fuck that, or you're good at calculus, because you still need it for some reason. Yeah, you're yeah. never like, there's. yeah, I have dentistry at like 40%. Yeah, I'm like, a shitty dentist. Over half the time, I just fuck people's teeth up real bad. Like, that's just not something you have if you have the skill of dentistry, usually. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you want to play Steve Martin... Yeah, you know, little little house of horrors, shop of horrors, if you want. <laughs> little house, little of, the house of the horrors, of prairie, <laughs> home companion, <laughs> cube. Yeah, it's good. Gleaning uh, that cube. I'm glad. I'm glad we can get into your stream of consciousness, <laughs> random associations. Okay, uh, as I was saying, he's right. It's weird that you get these lower percentage skills for things that people are normally competent at. Also, you just get. <sighs> Like any game where you have just a jillion skills, you end up getting to a point where it's just way too specific. Yeah. So it's not just like, what do you have? I have craft. Okay, that would be very generally useful. And it's not even like, I have carpentry. It's, they have fucking canoe building yeah, is canoe its own building. thing. Canning. Barbering. <laughs> Being a barber. Cutting someone's hair is something that you would spend a skill slot on. Well, thankfully, it's not one of the ones you usually get as a... Like, you either choose that as a secondary skill because you're laughing at yourself, or it's one of the ones that you get because you rolled, I'm a trained barber for your skill package. <laughs> I, barbary's got to be pretty difficult in this world. I mean, everyone's kind of some kind of animal. They have weird fur tufts all over them. and Yeah, you want to make sure that poodle man yeah, has yeah. the right little balls. Oh, come on. You know no poodle is a dude. <laughs> No, man, they totally are. They're against those gender stereotypes. That's How true. dare you, sir? How <laughs> I, dare you? I'm just you? saying that based on my years of experience as a cartoon-watching American, I am aware that even though I am not attracted to dogs, poodles are the hot dogs. <laughs> the sexy dog ladies that all the other dogs be pawned for. <laughs> Dude, there's rope works. Rope works is a skill. Use it on poodle ladies. Yeah. Yeah, that poodle lady likes it when I use my rope works on her. <laughs> this is going to be the worst podcast. <laughs> you okay. don't get roped. <laughs> okay. So uh, you get a whole bunch, probably too many of these skills. Yep. Uh, I know for a fact that every time I play a Palladium game, I end up with a whole page of skills, and then I forget what they all are. Yeah, I I think you basically never roll it until you get a specific section where it comes up. And even then, most of the time it's, Something that's a piloting skill. Yeah. Something that's demolition, or maybe prowl. And for the rest of the game, unless you specifically go, yeah, but how well did I cut his hair? No <laughs> one cares. <laughs> you have to check to see if he cut his hair poorly. Yeah. I know, I've used, like, anthropology and a few of the other basic research skills in Palladium games, but even then, it's like it comes up once, ever. Yeah, no, it'll be like, oh, dude, it's my time to shine. This is actually on my sheet. What's my chance? 41%? Fuck. <laughs> yeah. So, most and most of them have, like, a 3% chance per level, and they even say in the intro, like, yeah, we played the same game for three years, and most of our people were, like, level 8 mm -hmm. out of 15. So you go, all right, so maybe if we've been playing the same characters forever, and I keep getting my experience for that... I went up, like, 
20% from where I was. Yeah, because there's no way to raise your stats in this game, save to take skills that raise your stats. The, uh, the physical skills yeah. will raise your statistics. But other than that, you can't raise your stats through experience, or you, you can't change mutations during the game or anything. So the only way to get better at your skills is not to get smarter, but to get better at your skills. So you have to slowly let them accumulate as you gain levels. And that's the only thing you can do. Yeah, and unfortunately, like with most Palladium games, leveling up doesn't mean dick, except for you get an extra percent in your skills. And sometimes you also get... Oh, well, there's a couple things it means. Sometimes you get an extra plus one to hit on your various weapons. Cause weapon, oh, yeah. Because you've got hand-to-hand packages. Well, there's two things. You have hand-to-hand packages, which... Uh, yeah, hand-to-hand <laughs> packages. That's the name of my album. <laughs> um... Anyway, you have hand-to-hand packages, which come in basic, experts, martial arts, assassin, uh, and those are basically combat bonuses, and you get a different combat bonus every time you gain a level. So it'll be like an extra attack per melee round, or plus two to strike, or a knockout blow on a roll of 18 to 20. A jump kick that does 1d4 damage. Yeah, so there's those, and you get something at each level. And then there's also your weapon proficiencies, which come in things like WP Blunt and WP <laughs> I got WP Blunt, you know what I mean? Woo! 420. Let's get WP Blunt sounds like a person to me. Like. <laughs> he sounds like a director from the 40s. Professor WP Blunt. Here we see Professor WP Blunt. <laughs> Alright, fair enough. You got that one. <laughs> Anyway, uh, each one of those will give you plus one to strike and occasionally plus one to parry. It's just sort of random interval levels. Yeah. So those are the things that levels do. You also get an extra D6 of hit, of hit points. Hit points. At each level. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's the basic riffs, or any Palladium character, really, once you get down to it. You got your skills, your stats, your hit points, background. Uh, you can roll on the insanity tables that are in this book, just like they are in every other Palladium book. Uh, thankfully, one of the big differences between this and the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is that uh, homosexuality is not listed in there as an insanity. Woo! They, uh, also, <laughs> one of the nice things they did is they updated the experience points table, because there's a table of how you get XP, and it's not just killing things. But it used to be, it just said, performing a skill gives you 25, 25 XP. <laughs> and so it used to be, you could just like, I'm using gymnastics, I backflip out of the room, I backflip back into the room... Give me all of the XP. I swear to you, I played with a DM for GM for years, and I would always backflip out of rooms, and I and he would always go twenty five XP because he was a stickler for rules. Uh, (laughs) Thankfully, this time it says only when it matters. So driving to the corner store store does not mean you used drive car. Fuck you. You fucking asshole, Jeff, specifically. Oh, fuck right you. Here. My, my, my gymnastics matter. <laughs> I was doing that for the people of the bar. <laughs> that was a gift. That was a <laughs> gift for the family. Alright, so, uh, once you're done with all that, you probably want to go ahead and turn your character into a mutant animal of some kind. Yeah. And, uh, in true Palladium fashion, there is Every chart you could possibly ever want to determine what your mutant animal is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, why would you pick when you can roll randomly? So, oh, yeah. Oh, actually, let's briefly discuss how this book has a section that tells you why rolling randomly is better. Oh, yeah. No, it's like, hey, man, did you want to make a character? You should probably roll randomly. And, you know, let's go ahead and make this the first of this episode's appearances of Kevin Symbiata Corner. Because, <laughs> cause John's gone through the, through the uh, trouble of postmarking everything Symbiata put in as his own little, uh, sidebars throughout the book. There's a section where he explains to you why random rolling is better than, than, uh, point by. Oh yeah. Here's, here's one. Random rolls equals good role playing. Excellent players can role play anything. An excellent player can play any character and sees a weak character as a challenge, not a liability. Except, random rules doesn't equal good role-playing. Good role-players equals good role-playing yep. in that example. Yeah. Random rules just means your good role-player is fucked in some way. Yeah. It's not like if you give your shitty role-player a shitty character, it will turn him into a good role-player. Also, random rules apparently equals realism. No. No, it does not. Nope, nope, it, it equals randomness. Your average human is average. A random roll means, well, I'm apparently super fast, but I'm real dumb, and I'm big, <laughs> but I have no health, and you're like, what the fuck is this I, random package? I almost feel like your random package was racist just in you saying it. I'm not sure against who, but you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm real sure. fast, but I'm dumb. <laughs> that sounds racist, John, don't say that. <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, all, all the people that may have identified with my random roles. 
Okay, so so Symbiata clearly points out that random rolls are better, and that, that carries over throughout the course of the game. Oh, yeah. You want to be a mutant animal? Roll on a big table to see what kind of mutant animal. And you know, just to figure out what animal type you are, nothing else, just what animal type you are, there are, I think, six different tables. All percentile tables. So you roll percentiles to figure out what type of animal you are. Then you roll on that table to figure out what type of further animal you are. Mm-hmm. And I love that before that, it gives a little sidebar of like, I'm so sorry, I couldn't include more animals. When there are like a hundred different animal types in here. Have you read all of the TMNT books? Oh, no. I'm sure okay, he has I have. Like another 500 or something. Oh, there, he, uh, for a long time, TMNT books came out in roughly magazine size. They're these little 40 page, <laughs> barely soft cover volumes. And usually each one of them will have another 25 to 30 mutant animals. So he couldn't include all of them. I have, like, uh, roadhogs lying around somewhere, and it's got stuff like hummingbird and octopus and whale. Yeah, you get pack rat and prairie dogs and vultures and all sorts of crazy shit. He tried pretty hard with this game. They tried pretty hard to focus on animals of North America, because the game is set in North America. Yeah. With very strong exceptions, because zoo animals are fun. Yeah, The and the weird thing to me is they didn't decide to go, what do you have? A bird. Bird is a type. No, no, we have to have, like, duck, pigeon, uh, seagull, vulture... Pheasant, grouse... Hummingbird... Peacock... Yeah, no. Yeah. There and, are specific stats and bonuses and weaknesses for every single one of let's these. Let's also stop there to briefly mention that there are four kinds of chicken. Yeah. Okay. And one of those kinds of chicken is dinosaur. Yeah, because this Dinosaur is... is a kind of chicken. Now, if you've played Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles before, but you haven't played After the Bomb, you'd be surprised to see a couple of the mutant animal types in this book. Uh, that's because he introduced genetic chimeras and genetic throwbacks and uh, human mutant. So there's a couple of new types of mutants in here that are weird animal combinations or animals that are hearkening back to their prehistoric roots. Yeah, so basically the only real chimera is the spider goat. There's a few. Uh, the, the chimeras include the pleasure bunny. Oh, uh, that's not really a chimera. That's, I'm just that's telling you just what, a fuck rabbit. What, what counts as chimeras are the pleasure bunny, the, uh, the, the spider goat, which good lord, we need to talk about the spider goat, the, um, shifter mouse, <laughs> and the chameleon mouse. Oh boy. And those are both just mice that can change their skin color for various reasons. Uh, there's also the pleasure bunny, which is a yeah. rabbit that you can have sex with. Yeah. But it doesn't look like a rabbit, it looks like a human. It basically the pleasure bunny is just a hot chick. It's a hot chick mutant bunny. There's no Except, it doesn't even have ears. It no, looks like yeah. It's not even like, oh, she's got like a little fluffy tail or some ears or any indication that she would be a rabbit at all. It's just we genetically modified a rabbit to be a normal looking hot chick, and then we have sex with them. Yep, that's all we did, and she generates sex stink. Like she has sex pheromones that she puts out that make you want to sex the bunny. Yep. That's that's what she's there for. She's there to piss off the furry community that really wanted to get into this game. Because they see something like, Pleasure Bunny, fuck yeah, I'm on board. Wait, she just looks like an 80s Lita Ford hot chick? Aww. What, what happened? What, what's this all about? Why did why did they let Wayne Bro draw this? He, <laughs> you know he's just going to give her voluminous, pointillized 80s hair. Yeah, I was really hoping that this would just be like Bugs Bunny in drag. Right? <laughs> that's a pleasurable bunny. Now that. Is a horse of a different color. Speaking of horses of different colors, there's like six types. Oh, yeah. Every uh, single type of horse is its own type of horse. Yep. So you've got like a Mustang or a fucking Shenanigans and whatever the hells. Yeah. So once you've rolled on all these random tables to get to what type of animal you are, you then get some Bio-E. Yeah, Bio-E. So you go to look at your mutant animal type, and it's going to have a couple of characteristics it'll tell you about. First, it'll give you a little description of what the animal is you've rolled, like... A moose is a mighty antlered uh, deer sort of thing that lives in the woods and <laughs> deer sort of thing. I'm trying Thanks. to. I was trying to remember the term. Something specific for for for, uh, for deer and so on. <laughs> Fine, fuck it. We're gonna switch this. A fox is a vulpin. There you go. I got there that one. Go. Is a vulpin creature that lives in the woods and makes annoying noises and and eats eggs. Yeah. And gets into hen houses. Yeah. If you're playing as a fox, you get a size level. It is two. And some BioE, it is 80. 80 BioE. BioE are the points you spend on mutant animal non nonsense. Yeah, your bioenergy is what you spend to make your dude better than regular or in to, some way. Or to move him along the scale from fox to man. Yeah, so you can get uh, various things like, uh, how bipedal are you? Yeah, Not at all? 
Somewhat bipedal or fully bipedal. There are four categories that range from none to full. The four categories are hands, biped, speech, and looks. Yeah. Now, and this is all on a scale of how human you are. Exactly. So if you have no looks, then you look like a fox. Yeah, now, you, you just might, look like that animal. You might be a bipedal fox with human hands, but otherwise you look like a fox. Yeah. If you have full human looks, you look like a human. Except not really. Full human looks almost invariably goes right back in and describes how animally you look. Yeah, it's like, okay, you got full human looks and you're a uh, bison man? Alright, that's great. Now you've got little horns coming out from your head, and you're kind of stocky and hunched over, and you're little. hairy, and you're yeah. like, wait a minute, so I just look like a bison man. Why the fuck did I buy up to full? Yeah, it costs a bunch of points, and this is a world where there are very few humans left, so looking like one doesn't really give you any significant advantages. But it's still in there, so you can go ahead and have full bioe and look like a sheepy human. Yeah. For, for no good reason. Um, and then the other ones are, uh, hands, which is, if you have partial, then you have trouble holding things, and uh, you run on all fours and so on, or you, you walk on your knuckles. If you have full, then you have human hands. If uh, you ha- are partially bipedal, then again, you will drop to all fours to run, but you're like a bear. You can stand yeah. up to, to do things. And if you're full, then you're just a walking human. Speech, if you have none, you're an animal uh, that can't talk. If you have partial, you can do guttural growls and occasionally ju- bark out like single-word phrases. You're if like you- Scooby. You're Scooby. If you're full, then you can talk. And uh, looks goes from none, which is uh, what a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle is, to partial, which would be a gross-looking pink Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle with a shell on its back, because partial is gross and useless in every situation. You basically look like Cronenbergian. And then full, which is an animal-y human. And then uh, birds get a bonus category of wings from none to full to an extra bonus for huge amounts of points where you can have wings and arms. Whee! So there you go. Those all cost varying amounts of bio-E to get based on what type of animal you are. So, for example, if you're a monkey hum- a mutant, then getting partial looks is automatic because a monkey already kind of looks like a human. Yeah. And if you take full, it's only five bio-E to do. So, uh, your bio-E, you also get more depending on the size that you are. So, all of the different animal Less. people have... Uh, no, because you'd get more depending on the size. Because if you're smaller, you'd get more. So, fuck you. Okay, keep going. <laughs> so, uh, all of them have a size category. So you'd go from hummingbird small to giant fuck off elephant large. Mm-hmm. And the bigger you are, the more stat bonuses you get. So you'll get stronger and more physical endurance and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you get less bioe because you have better stats. However, if you go smaller, you get more and more bioe to spend on things. But you begin, at a certain point, you start losing stat points. Mm-hmm. So if you're super tiny, you just aren't strong. It doesn't matter what you rolled for your strength. You're going to have, like, minus a whole shitload. Yep. But it might be worth it to be size level 1 and get... Oh, uh, size level is also a thing that exists. Size yeah. level is the range of how big you are. A human is size level 6 or 7. It doesn't. It's kind of somewhere in that, that zone. Uh, and a mouse is size level 1. A elephant is size level 20. Yeah. So you could go ahead and... Uh, shift up and down if you want. So if you start out as a mouse, and you go, hey, you're size level one. You go, I really don't want to just run around as a mouse. I want to be a mouse guy. You can spend bioe, and because you start small, you would start with a larger pool of bioe. 90. You can spend that bioe to then grow in size. Right, and it's five points per size level of shrink or growth. If you shrink, then you gain the five. If you grow, then you spend the five. Yeah. So a mouse going to size level six to be a human-sized mouse guy would spend 30 bioe. Yeah, so if you really want to do that, you can. And again, elephants... Size level 20, they start with no extra bioe, so you probably want to shrink yourself down a little so you can actually play this game. This leads to one of my favorite things about the, uh, about the bioe system is that an elephant starts at zero bioe, uh, zero human looks, zero, you know, not uh, full, so basically just an elephant. Except, it costs bioe to have things like a prehensile trunk or, or a horn, or uh, tusks and so on. Which means that if you play as a regular elephant, you aren't a regular elephant. Your trunk doesn't work, you don't have tusks. Yeah, you're just sort of a <laughs> shitty elephant. You're just sort of a giant gray blob. <laughs> yeah, so you usually want to shrink down a bit. There or is... take one of the many flaws you could get. Yay! Because this is like the only palladium system that actually has flaws to it. Yep, there's merits and flaws in here. Although the merits are just cool animal powers. And the flaws are just interesting animal weaknesses, like uh, you don't have binocular vision, or 
Uh, you have a prey mindset, so you right. automatically get skittish and run away from things. You have some musky scent that gives yeah. you away. Or your antlers fall off in the winter. Oh, darn, my antlers. Servant! That's the word I was looking for. That's what deer are called. <laughs> you got there. I'm proud Yay, of you. Hey, I made it. A moose You're... is a big servant that's dumb and fat and stinky. Yeah. And it'll kill you if you, if it wants. <laughs> it'll Good. stop at nothing to kill you. <laughs> the moose. <laughs> Canada's biggest danger. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah. So you take some of these flaws. Flaws will get you extra bioe. You can also get extra bioe if you're hungry for bioe by taking certain backgrounds for skill sets that uh, are don't, don't give you a lot of skills. Like, for example, if you're feral, you spent so much time being an animal and so little time learning to cut hair that uh, you end up with extra bioe. Yeah. So if you have something where it's like you're essentially trading skills for bioe. Uh, so instead of having a full suite of skills and, like, you select 12, you select 6, and you get plus 10 bioe. Hooray. Right, and then uh, you can spend those BioE, and each each thing has more to spend BioE on than just the size levels and various types of human looks and hands and so on. Each animal type will also have some bonus abilities that are only available to that type of animal. So, for example, if you're playing as a mutant mole, you can purchase burrowing and tunneling for BioE that give you the ability to burrow or tunnel. If you're playing as a mutant moose, you can purchase big heavy antlers that get a damage rating and you can use them to ram people. Yeah, so any of your standard stock animal characteristics that you would expect in a game, you know, claws, uh, you get your uh, vicious bite, you can get better strength as a power, so you can actually deal more damage with your unarmed attack, so if you're like, I'm a giant buffalo man, I'm way stronger... You can get, like, a headbutt and horns yeah, for that. a tough, scaly hide, a super-powered sense of smell. Yeah. This is furries the way they should be. They yeah, have cool this, animal powers. This is... If furry pirates, if you're listening, I hate you. And you should have been more like After the Bomb. This is how bad your book is. You should have been more like a Palladium book. That's how bad you are. <laughs> this has been our brief moment to say fuck you to furry pirates. Uh, back to the game. Now... This book is a little variant from uh, from other Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle style games in that there are a number of, of animals you can be in there that don't get to make a whole lot of choices. For example, if you're playing as certain horses, perhaps you're playing as a uh, Tuscaloosa whatever horse, like a Pinto or something, that particular mutant breed is a is a family of relatively stable mutants. You don't get to choose if you have partial hands. You just automatically have partial hands. You automatically have no looks. The Pleasure Bunny is the same thing. The Pleasure Bunny automatically has full... Looks, hands, speech, all that. Uh, you don't get to make those choices. You just get uh, to purchase, like, animal psionics and so on. Yeah, your BioE is adjusted accordingly. Exactly. So there are a few kind of set races. Uh, other ones include things like the shifter mouse, uh, various chicken types, the dinosaur chicken, uh, which yep. is a throwback allosauroid. That's a chicken that had some dinosaur DNA in it that decided to express itself through mutation. So you play as a really weird-looking two-legged dinosaur in a crappy 80s jacket. You certainly do. Right? Look at that thing. It's, um, it's got a vest on him. Unlike the uh, the actual chicken, which also has a vest on him, but looks dapper as fuck. That chicken is amazing. I'm going to scan that chicken, and that's going to be the picture for this. This uh, He is smoking a cigarette, and he looks disappointed in whatever someone just told him. Let's, let's get this, say this right now. The art in this book makes it worth purchasing this book. The amount of weird mutant animals that are just doing cool things. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, the, the giant fat elephant wearing the I Love New York shirt is is unbelievably cool. The cover has, uh, I, I like to call him Horse Pliskin. It, it, it's, it's Snake Pliskin, but a horse. Yeah. Also, his friend, the samurai bald eagle, is being grasped by a giant robot. Naked samurai bald eagle. So uh, this book has just unbelievably good animal art. It's totally worth getting just for that. The other throwback we'll get we're doing spider goat. Uh, the other throwback before we get there is that there uh, is passenger pigeons back from extinction. You can play as a passenger pigeon. That's if you, how mutation works. Yeah, it brings well, things back from being extinct. Well, no, it's the same way that spider goats came into existence. It's it's before the apocalypse. A crazy human scientist genetically re, uh, re-engineered the passenger pigeon so they could exist once more. Hooray. And now they do. And if you play as a mutant passenger pigeon, it's one of the ones where you don't get to choose anything. You basically look like a three-foot-tall passenger pigeon, and all of your powers were laid around controlling swarms of other pigeons. 
So you ha- you can create clouds of pigeons. That- By God, you will shit that statue up something fierce. Oh man, poor Admiral Nelson. Look at him. It's like <laughs> anyway. Now let's talk about the spider goat. Spider goat. So spider goat's a real thing. Uh, they they did they yeah. did do some genetic experimentation to uh, to get uh, spider silk into uh, goat's milk so that they could kind of replicate large amounts of spider silk. Yeah. It was an interesting bit of genetic experimentation. It actually happened. Now, in this book, they spin that forward into goats have our spider centaurs. Yeah. So they've got sort of a spider lower body, but the spider legs end in hooves. Mm -hmm. And then the top half of them is goat. And the goat's got, like, two arms as well. So it really is just spider centaur. It's a drider, but a goat. Yeah. And then, interestingly, the picture, which is amazing, is the spider centaur goat, and he looks like he's all set to come at you. And he's got six lower legs and two upper legs. That's not accurate to the game. In the game, you get two lower legs and two upper arms, and then you can buy more. This guy spent a ton of bioweed, and he's probably only about a foot high. <laughs> to, get, to, to create that, uh, you, you would have to give up a lot of your size levels to get enough bioweed to buy all those extra feet for no good reason. But it is really cool to think of these kind of spider centaur monsters running around shooting, literally have Spider-Man style web shooters. Yeah, for 10 bio-e, you yep. can have a web shooter. Yep. So those are a thing you can play as. You can play, and they can also get web hooks on their, on their, uh, feet and hooves and so on, so they can kind of crawl around in their own webs. Really? Well, yeah, neat. the, the spider goat sort of represents the sensibility that this game has towards the idea of genetics. Mm-hmm. In that oh god, yeah. Someone once read an article where they heard that someone fucked with genetics and they were like, holy crap, that's gonna be the future! You know how you have that one friend who's like super angry at GMOs? Yeah. And they're always like, it's always for the wrong reason. It's not because like, oh, corn might get patented or it's more resistant to pesticides and so on. It's always like, well, what if it makes you more compliant? Or, what if it grows a human ear out of it? That, that sort of nonsense. This is the other thing. This is, the, the, this is a similar parallel. This is someone who understands nothing about genetics, but instead of being terrified of it, loves it. Okay. So, this was actually written by Eric Wujik. Wujik! I love Wujik. And, uh, so he has a little thing at the beginning where he basically tells the entire readers he knows nothing about how science works. Yeah. He says that he wrote, he, uh, read an article in New Scientist where some guys took a disease and they spliced some, uh, like scorpion type DNA into it and now it kills a specific type of caterpillar. Great. Yeah. And his response is, holy shit, they gave it scorpion venom. And you're like, no, they, they didn't, they didn't give venom to a, a virus. It's not like running around stabbing the caterpillars. They didn't. They didn't instill in it a comical hate for Spider-Man. Yeah, no, that's that's not how this worked. And then he goes, yeah. So uh, we've already mapped like most of the genes. So uh, when I first wrote after the bomb, the idea of a mutant sentient dog was closer to fantasy than science science fiction. Looking at it in 2001, it seems like we'll be talking to genetically modified canines. In the not-too-distant future. Yes, Eric, that is exactly what that article you read means. Right? Oh, I can't believe it. I I, I'm, I know Eric wrote that section, but to me that's a very symbiotic thing, because he had the dog boys. He always manages to cram human dogs into everything he writes. And and I like to picture that the, the Palladium offices has a big thermometer, like, you know, like a fundraising-style <laughs> thermometer in there that's like, countdown till we talk to man-dogs. Yeah. And, uh, okay, so we've been talking for, like, 45 minutes, and you'll notice we haven't mentioned word one about the actual setting of this game, and that's because this book is about mm, 215 pages long. It is till page 163 before the book mentions anything about setting. Well, it's because it's got to go through a lot of cool mutant animals. Yeah, this book is essentially the exact opposite of Nobilis, in that it does not give a single fuck about the setting. It just wants to shove as much crunch at you as possible. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, that's refreshing coming off of Nobilis. It is just like, hey man, did you want stats for this? How about this? How about 5,000 other things? Right. So uh, let's talk about the setting, shall we? It's North America. Uh, there was a major genetic and nuclear disaster and war and so on that caused everyone to, uh, I think they called it the crash. Yeah, there was the crash and then the bomb. Right. So, I, I want to just say, I absolutely love that in the background of this, the crash, which is a, because we kept fucking with genetics, someone created a genetic, uh, virus, essentially, that was just a human cell, so that, our own immune system would just assume that it was part of us and leave it alone, 
And it ended up killing off, like, billions of humans. And this happened as a prank. That is my favorite thing in this book, is that part of the apocalypse was just some guy pranking humanity. There you go. So there's a crash that destroys most of the humans, and also starts the mutation that creates all these mutant animals. And because of this, they assume that the attack this was an actual attack instead of a prank, so they start launching nukes, which and then kills off more of the humans. Right, so we're playing in Mad Max North America, that's your setting. And now all the all the cities that that exist are goofy animal pun names. Yep. So for example, you might be operating out of Nyack instead of New York. Uh Nyack. Or Cardania, which is where most humans are supposed to start or animals are supposed to start, or New Kennel, which is ripe with dogs, or Bird <laughs> Island, which has birds all over it. Gasp. Right? Yeah. So uh and then there is, of course, because this is a Palladium book, an Empire of Humanity. Yep, the it's, Empire of Humanity, which is the Coalition. It's the Coalition. It's just Coalition minus Skulls. I mean, it's even in the same spots. Yeah, so uh, you can really tell that the writers for Palladium are like, man, fucking hicks in, in the middle of America, and they hate, like, black people. So yeah. now they hate mutant animals, and they all live in the Midwest. Oh, you thought you hated black people. Just wait until you see this talking duck. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know, I kind of do hate Howard the Duck, so I think I think I might be racist. Now, do you hate the movie Howard the Duck or the concept of Howard the Duck? <laughs> A little of both. Oh, it hurts. I like the concept of Howard the Duck. <laughs> all right. So, um, so yeah, there's, there's an empire of humanity that wants to maintain its genetic purity. And it is, and the only thing that it is friendly with is dog boys. Yes, I mean, dogs. I mean canine mutants. Man, I mean dog boys, fuck you. They're man's best friend. Yeah. So it's the only mutants that they're willing to, like, have any trade or dealings with are the dogs. So they really did just make the coalition. Right. Uh, right down to them having, incongruously having giant robots and fighter jets and all this other stuff that's like, wait, doesn't my character have a sword? Like, it's real weird that they gave them, like, this super technological advanced, like, APC culture with, uh... Yeah, we've been bombed back to the Stone Age, but the Empire of Humanity totally has tanks and giant robots and shit. Churning out giant nuclear robots, just like in Rifts, where uh, where they have a million Samass. Yeah, you know, and not even, like, a million because we are exaggerating and being hyperbolic. They have literally 2.3 million Samus. Yeah, which is hilarious, because the United States, at the moment, has just a little over 300 F-18s. Yeah. So, cut our population to 10% of what it is, and then let's go ahead and make thousands of times more of our fighter jet things. Yep. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. And then it includes, the back of the book is an adventure that's fucking stupid and terrible, and everyone should hate it. It's just a bunch of bunnies doing bunny bullshit, and then Which, there's zombie uh, monsters. Okay, I actually, I'll, I'll go ahead and say, it isn't stupid because the entire concept of it is it's mutant rabbits that are all, like, the gun bunnies. Yeah, and, and the gun have... bunnies all have stupid cartoonish names. You have, like, Bug Bunny, and Bomb Bunny, Beach Bunny. Beach Bunny, by the way, is just a superficial, stereotypical 80s valley blonde. But a rabbit. Yeah, and not even one of the pleasure bunnies. She's no, actually a, just a, a rab- rabbit. Yeah, which, great characterization. Let's go ahead and say that. Thank you so much for giving me that. Like, a character in your NP- an NPC in the back of your book who mentions that she's way into clothes and fashion. Yeah. It's uh, the post-apocalypse, you dipshits. Yeah, well, she's really into arranging what type of tire you put on your shoulder. God damn it, I hate that. I hate What the- sport helmet am I wearing? Just write one decent female character once, Palladium. Come on. Oh, no. wait, I'm sorry. We've got, we do have one. What's her name? The Erin Tarn. Erin Tarn is the worst thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, so yeah. That's, that is the book, but at least their, their adventure is stupid and fun in the way that mutant animals should be stupid and fun. There is a section in the book as well that is in every Palladium book, which is the gear section. Oh yeah. Which has the uh, cost in dollars of all this different gear that you would never need. Like, oh, would you like to know how much it costs to own a policeman's uniform? How about just his badge and badge holder? (laughs) Oh, well that will cost you $22. Oh good, I'm glad we know this. Yeah. So there you go. This is an interesting game. Uh, it's not as well known as Rifts or uh, Beyond the Supernatural or uh, Heroes Unlimited or Ninjas and Super Spies and so on, but it's an interesting little game. Yeah, it's uh, it's fun. It's a game that has been around forever because they made the original 
like TMNT and After the Bomb in the 80s. 83. Yeah, so yeah. that's been around forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's got more of the 80s, early 90s uh, animal sensibilities to it, where they're just like, yeah, it's, it's mutant animals. There is no reason to question this. Just go with it. Whereas nowadays, if you had mutant talking animals, everyone would immediately assume furries, right? and you'd yeah. have to really try and defend yourself against it. Yeah, it's, it's fun because it's written from a point of 2001 innocence about furry culture. There's, It's just like, yeah, there's cool bunny dudes, and there's and they hang out with rad mole guys. And, and of course, the, you know, the only mutant animals you'd want to have sex with are the ones that do not look like animals whatsoever in any way. I love that. The pleasure bunnies look like humans. For who? The, even the Empire of Humanity doesn't want them because they have that genetic purity thing. It, it implies that the whole culture of all these people that have looks none and all just look like whatever animal they are still fetishize and obsess over human-looking people. Which is, it's odd because the, the game describes the setting as being like, okay, humans are dying out. Animals, the mutant animals, are the new inheritors of the Earth, and there's way more mutant animals than there are humans, and yet, for some reason, we're still going to fetishize humanity? I'm guessing it's because they still own the magazine industry. (laughs) It's an unrealistic standard of beauty. How come I don't look like that? How come I'm not, how come I'm quadrupedal? (laughs) (laughs) People getting surgery so they can be more bipedal. There you go. It's cosmopolitan ruining things after the apocalypse. John, five ways to pleasure your horse. (laughs) Oh my god, I want to write that. John, what is your favorite thing about After the Bomb RPG? My, definitely my favorite thing is that even though it isn't Symbiata writing it, they really stuck to their guns on everything needs a random roll table. Oh yeah. Like, Everything needs w- a random role. I wonder if that's like a like a cultural thing at the Palladium offices. Like you you can't put a choice in a book without someone going, "Ooh, there's there's ten of those. That means it's a percentile set." <laughs> I I really have to wonder if like ordering lunch for them is they have a hundred different restaurants to pick from, and every day they're like, "I wonder what we're getting." Random lunch equals delicious. <laughs> it's like okay, we rolled a thirty three. We're going to Subway. Let's go to Sub Table B and find out what type of sandwiches we're getting. <laughs> And, uh, okay, so what was your favorite thing? I'm sorry, random tables? Random table. You like random I tables. I fucking love that they stick to their guns on this random table. And not only do they have, like, okay, what type of animal are you? Here are six different subtables. They then go, if that wasn't enough, we can then further do different subtables for different things. So it's like, here are the animals in the book. We have tables for that. Then we have tables for animals that aren't in this book, just in case you wanted to roll them anyway. Okay. And what is your least favorite thing about After the Bomb? Uh, my least favorite thing is probably the sensibility behind, like, the Pleasure Bunny <laughs> and Beach Bunny. and There's just some sexism in there. And they mention, you know, I'll say with the Pleasure Bunny, they're not all female. It says that the male ones all have perfect bathing suit bodies, too, yeah. and so on. So they're in there, but of course the picture is a hot chick. Yeah. Like, there's no way they were going to make it some sexy dude. You're not going to have a pool boy show up. It's going to be some feather-haired 80s chick. But, uh, it... I just... Like you were saying, just once. Just once, give me... Give me some female character that isn't just there for, like... I like shopping! And I'm here for sex! And I... Yeah. Man. Yeah, that, that's a terrible sensibility. I, I agree. There's if there, there's only two characters in this book that are deser- bleh, determinedly female, and they are both just sex toys. Yeah. So, bleh. yeah. All right. Okay. So, your favorite thing about after the bomb? I like all the new types of mutants in this book. I, I like the spider goats. I like. I don't like the pleasure bunny, but. That's barely a mutant. I, I, that's whatever. That's just a sex stinky human. I like the chameleon mice. I like the human only mutant, which okay. we didn't even talk about. Oh my god! There's a picture of that, and normally they have pictures of like here's the the classic wolf turning into a man for all the different steps of your looks from zero to full, and there's a picture of the mutant human, and its steps are normal human, paunchy middle aged balding guy. And big fat baby. <laughs> okay, here's the progression. Because to be a human mutant, you give up your natural human full, you know, looks, speech, bipedal, and uh, and uh, so on, to in exchange for uh, you know having partial or none. And then you get bio. You can use to buy psionics. 
So you can spend all your bipedal and become a floating little alien. Or you can spend all your looks and become a hairless little weirdo. But the middle picture is someone who's got partial human looks. And I swear to you, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you, <laughs> get the book and look for yourself. Because here's the progression. You go, human, Wallace Shawn, gray alien. <laughs> that's, that's the progression. You become a fat little bald man. Like you're, maybe you're Armin Shimmerman too. I don't know. <laughs> One of those guys, and, and and then you're a little gray alien. Yeah. No, I want to get partial human looks so that I can be a character actor in Hollywood. <laughs> yep. So I love the human mutant. I love the chicken dinosaur. <laughs> I love oh, that shit. Man. That's hilarious to me that they went ahead and put that in and found a way to expand on their old BioE system. So there you go. Yeah. All right. And your least favorite thing in the book. I'm gonna go ahead and say the skill system. We've, we've gone over the Palladium skill system before. It's, it's huge. It's easy to understand, but on the other hand, it's impossible to gain any kind of mastery over because it's just arcane random starting numbers and arcane random bonuses per level. Like, someone explained to me at all why, for example, advanced math gives you a 36% starting chance plus 4% per level. What does that represent? What the fuck is that? That's not, it's, it's, it's so weirdly random. Yeah. I just don't like it. And there's too many of the skills, and they not, too many of them don't do anything. We already talked about barbary and yeah. boat building. There's Even in the pilot skills, where you are going to get more of your bread and butter type things that you actually use, you've still got stuff where it's like, I don't know, maybe you have surfing. Who fucking cares? Oh, I can windsurf. I can operate a space shuttle. Why? Yeah. No. Oh, and then they always, this is the series that always manages to squeeze in a role-playing game design skill as a little joke reference to themselves. They never mention DM's pizza, but they always have a joke about how role-playing design is a useless skill. Uh, So, yeah. yeah. There you go. Would you play After the Bomb RPG? Ugh, God. You know, only if I got to be a human mutant and I got to play as Paul Giamatti. (laughs) Paul Giamatti. (laughs) I'm just going to keep naming the little bald guys. I turn into Danny DeVito. (laughs) Partial bipedal. I uh, believe Danny DeVito is a partial bipedal. <laughs> partial human hands. <laughs> I'm basically just going to play as the penguin. That's it. <laughs> there you go. All right, so that's a conditional yes. You would <laughs> you would maybe play after the bomb if you got to play, which you can. There's nothing stopping you from playing as those human mutants. Yeah, no, I think I think with the right group, if nobody in your group took it seriously, mm-hmm. and you had a GM that had a really good sense of humor... Such that he was going to make it less about like you've got to fight against the empire of humanity. They're they're trying to bomb, and this it's an empire of humanity war I'm campaign. Roll a random encounter table. Yeah, no. If it was like, all right, you've got to go into the fox den, which is this bar, it's a gay bar. <laughs> and you've got to find out some information that's going to lead you to the hen house, which is. This is a strip club. I'm and picturing then... a horse gay bar called Flanks. <laughs> I don't know. Does that, does that sound right to you? Yeah. And then <laughs> there's the horse strip club of Phillies. Hey, I like that. Yeah, yeah all right. See? Okay, there you go. So, so uh, yeah. yeah. If it had that sensibility to it, I would play in it. And the art in the book has that sensibility to it. There's, oh, yeah. There's art in this book that I would frame and put up on my wall. There's a there's... picture of a, mute, a moose mutant hanging out with a human, and they're both just drunk and laughing. Great picture. Not a role-playing <laughs> game picture. They're not fighting. There's no dice being rolled. It's just a drunk, laughing moose. I would play as that. There's a happy duck with goggles on his head that's, like, hugging his buddy, the ostrich. It's amazing. Yeah, so, by all means, if you're going to do it for the for the for uh, for that kind of sensibility, yeah. And so, would would you would you play After the Bomb? I have played After the Bomb. Oh, no, your dark secret is told. <laughs> would I play After the Bomb again? Uh, yeah, same thing, same thing. If, if With a good sense of humor... Uh, I don't think I'd play a whole campaign of this, but one sh- this is a great game for one-shots. That's basically what Palladium is good for, is yeah. doing one-shot stupid games. Because all the progression in the game is broken and useless. And pointless. It's yeah. just, I'm level 10, how am I different from level 1? I'm 40% better at being a barber. Wee. Yeah, so... So no, I'd play one-shots in it, which all of the best riffs and Heroes Limited and so on games I've ever played have all been one-shots. Yep, so there you go. There's a recommendation. Play this game, play it once... Per, uh, per character you make and have fun with it because it's it's stupid and the rules don't or the fighting doesn't work and the rules don't make any sense and there's <laughs> way too many animals this this is the RPG equivalent of whose line is it anyway where everything's made up and the points don't matter yep but it's still really fun so there you go so again I just want to uh, 
close out on some house notes. We are now on iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, you can find us at System Mastery at either of those locations if you're interested in getting an easy subscription to the podcast. By all means, if you do vi- find us on either of those sites, please take the time to rate and review the podcast so that we can start getting ratings and reviews displayed. That way other people will find us and we can spread this stupid thing. So, uh, again, iTunes and Stitcher, we're out there. Woo! Great. So, otherwise, you can find us at System Mastery at Facebook, System Mastery on Twitter, System Mastery at Gmail, SystemMasteryPodcast.com, and now System Mastery on iTunes and System Mastery on Twitcher. Twitcher? Twi- Stitcher. We're also on Twitcher. <laughs> We're on Twitcher. It's gonna be big. <laughs> Look for it. <laughs> Twitcher dot dot edu. Twitcher dot gov. Dot gov. Whatever. <laughs> okay, so uh, I think we've laughed ourselves out. Uh, Until two weeks from today, thanks very much, and this has been System Mastery. Ball.